From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host and naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there. Whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers, I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode 29 of Friends by Radio. My name is Philip Watkins. As always, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being with us. I hope you find what you're looking for out of this week's show. In this episode, we're going to deviate a little from the connection-based subjects and look primarily and solely at solutions. And this episode, we're going to do herbal medicine for anxiety and depression. Now, herbal medicine used for anxiety and depression is becoming more common. One study of 260 patients with depression showed that up to 50% had tried some form of natural medicine. Another study from the USA found that 40% of people with moderate depression and anxiety had tried some form of natural medicine too. Statistics from Hong Kong or the Hong Kong Mental Health Review Report from 2017 put these numbers into context the report demonstrated that one in seven people in hong kong would experience a typical mental health episode in their life and anxiety and depression are the most common in hong kong now that's that particular review report was released in 2017 so obviously before the pandemic so who knows now where those numbers may lie but get this 74 percent 74% of mental health sufferers don't seek professional help. I'm just going to repeat that. 74% of mental health sufferers don't seek professional help. And furthermore, a a survey conducted in Iran articulated some common reasons why this is the case. And these reasons include, but are limited to, unwanted side effects from drugs, feeling unsatisfied with conventional treatments, and a suboptimal therapeutic relationship with their primary practitioner. And statistics like this have led me to put this episode together. And as I said, I don't normally do you know, stock standard pill for every ill kind of solutions-based stuff, but because so many people and so many of my patients, in fact, have already dabbled in natural medicine to try and help their anxiety and depression i thought it would be nice to try and at least maybe give you some direction in what you're doing but also look at some of the main herbs that do genuinely have some great evidence behind them now herbal herbal medicine in itself as a part of natural medicine has some great scope in treating anxiety and depression however it does have its limitations and can also interact with other medications you're taking and we're going to try and cover some of those things when we're going through the different herbs on reflection i've seen the best results when psychiatrists and natural medicine practitioners work together neither party is a specialist in the other's field so the pairing is patient-centered 
and effective. However, both parties are responsible for being aware of the other's areas for things to work well. And I've often seen this. It's either naturopathic practitioners who aren't very familiar with psychiatric medication or the psychiatric uh, practitioners aren't very well uh, versed in herbal medicine or some of the natural medicine protocols. And believe it or not, I know a large quantity of psychiatrists who are very familiar with natural medicine. So it's not, you know, we're not... um, generalizing too much here is just certain situations uh, lead to a bit of a dysfunction between both parties now this reluctance to get professional help leads me to make this statement so you can get the best results this is very important so the herbs mentioned in this podcast episode have some excellent preliminary research behind them the effects in these studies very much reflect what i see clinically too but and this is a big but No matter how good they sound, please don't cease your prescribed medication. This cessation can be discussed with your prescribing practitioner at the very least and can be dealt with appropriately. You're not alone in making these decisions. Now, a fair share of listeners may see this as me protecting myself, but it's more about your own protection in all honesty. Many herbal medicines, including some of the ones we'll discuss in this episode, work on the same pathways as your prescribed pharmaceutical drugs. And this shared pathway can make the interactions between the herbs and pharmacies quite intense for you. I'm going to make the point again, but I think I've made my point for now. Let's get into it. Solutions. Let's start by looking at one of the most popular and well-known, but I think under understood if that's a way of describing it herbs in lavender obviously a super popular essential oil but lavender has substantial results in helping generalized anxiety disorder now you can find patented versions of herbs under different names in research studies and in the case of lavender the name of the patented form that has the most research is called silexin And Silexin, one of the landmark studies that put it on the map, was a multi-center, double-blind, randomized study published in 2010. And remember, we like double-blind, so the person doesn't know what they're taking. And we like the fact that it's random, so these studies are quite good. And this study in 2010 compared Silexin to a pharmaceutical drug for anxiety called Lorazepam, which is still relatively commonly prescribed, especially in Hong Kong. Now, the scores encompass both what we call somatic anxiety, so that's more of a physical experience of your anxiety, and psychic anxiety or cognitive anxiety, which is more in your head, so to speak. Now, if you're new to these terms, somatic anxiety feels more physical. Some symptoms include abdominal pain, indigestion, chest pain, fatigue, dizziness, insomnia, and headache. And psychic or cognitive anxiety is as it sounds. Symptoms are more mental with negative anticipatory thoughts, depression and intention deficits, some of the very common presentations. Now, both of these forms of anxiety improved with selection over the course of six weeks. The most promising part of this study is the lack of side effects and safety of the selection in comparison to the lorazepam. As well as these positives, the lavender formulation was not sedating or habit-forming, two things that I know a lot of patients are very concerned about, especially those in the financial hubs like Hong Kong, London and Singapore who don't necessarily want to lose their edge. They don't want to feel sedated. How about you? Do you feel that way too? 
So as with the next herb, the St. John's wort, lavender, either as selexin or in its whole herb form, interacts with other sedatives. So you've got to be careful there, especially pharmaceutical ones, but also hypertensive drugs as well because lavender can reduce your blood pressure. So we've got to be very, very careful there. So as always, you're going to see me or hear me uh, say this quite a lot when we're talking about solution-oriented stuff consult a healthcare practitioner before you make your decisions around using this if you are using other pharmaceutical medicine. Let's take a quick break. Free and Inspired Radio, episode 29. We're going straight to the source here, herbs for anxiety and depression. We'll be back with more, including St. John's Wort and my favourite of all mental health herbs, saffron. See you in a bit. take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 29 of Free and Inspired Radio. Thank you for sticking with us here. Now, we've hit three of the better, we're going to hit three of the better research herbal solutions for anxiety and depression in this show. We've already hit one in the form of lavender and before the break. And now let's look at one of the original nervous tonics, St. John's Wort. Now, originally in Western traditional natural medicine, St. John's wort was considered to be a nervine tonic. And what does that mean? So in natural medicine, some of the more older school kind of traditional forms, there are herbs that are considered to be tonics and they improve the tone of the organ or the system after they've been a bit battered, so to speak. (laughs) I wish I had a better term than that, but not off the top of my head. Now, St. John's Wort was technically very much a tonic herb for those who were just simply mentally exhausted. But now, St. John's Wort is considered to be very effective for mild to moderate depression. Interestingly, St. John's Wort has become more famous for its antiviral role over the last five to ten years, especially in conditions such as influenza A, not so much COVID, but influenza A for sure. Studies dating back to the late 90s through to 2019 have shown positive results for St. John's wort in mild to moderate depression, but not so much for major depression. Hence my point about the limitations of natural medicine in mental health. A meta-analysis compared St. John's, so most naturopaths I know shorten the name to this, so welcome to the club and SSRI drugs uh, in moderate, mild to moderate depression. So we're comparing St. John's and SSRIs. Uh, they reviewed 27 trials in this meta-analysis, pooling just under 4,000 people, which is pretty good. The St. John's wort preparations were comparable to the SSRI, but no evidence was present for severe or major depression. Now, once again, I'm just going to keep mentioning this because a lot of the studies we see in herbal medicine, and I think you'll find as we move into saffron as well, is that the herbs themselves work very, very very well for mild to moderate depression, but not very well, or at least there's not enough evidence yet for more severe major depression or treatment-resistant depression as well. So always got to keep 
a balanced view of what we can achieve here. It isn't magic. And a lot of people can kind of feel a bit disappointed by that too. But look, hey, if we can align our expectations and make sure that we know what to expect and where it's going to work best, as is the case of things like echinacea, don't get me started, we can often have a better result. But look, it also seems that the potency of St. John's depends on the amount of one of the active ingredients in the herb, and that's called a hyperferrin. Now, a study brings up an important note about using herbal medicine in therapeutic settings that I'll bring up at the end of this podcast. But it seems that the la- the higher amount of this active ingredient, hyperferrin, is uh, makes it more you know more effective. So sometimes standardization is incredibly important. We'll touch on that at the end. So a critical note with St. John's Wort is that it does interact with many pharmaceutical medications. And look, if you've come across St. John's Wort, I'm sure that you've seen these warnings. So it may be something that you're not, un, you know, never heard of before or surprised of. But this wide-ranging interaction is down to its effect on the liver, which can speed up the breakdown of drugs, making them less effective once they hit the bloodstream. Now, this interaction is significant with blood-thinning drugs that have narrow therapeutic windows. Now, narrow therapeutic window is a drug that relies on being at a specific dose entering the bloodstream to work successfully. Now, that dose or how much of it enters the bloodstream is largely dependent on its interaction with the liver. So that's why that effect from St. John's Wort can be important. So as a rule, some key drugs that may be affected by St. John's Wort as far as the evidence is concerned are immunosuppressants such as cyclosporin, antiretroviral drugs such as indinavir, so it's commonly used for HIV, and oral contraceptives. Yes, oral contraceptives, very, very common, right? If you take St. John's Wort, be careful. And look, if you really get into it, it does depend on how much hyperferrin, does depend on how much of the particular active ingredients are in St. John's Wort. But if you don't have someone to help you do this, and you don't have anyone to monitor it and help you through this, do not take St. John's Wort and oral contraceptives because the outcome may be fairly obvious and we don't really want that kind of thing to affect the quality of our day, let's say. So other commonly prescribed drugs such as blood thinners and medications used in surgery, so obviously anesthesia, are also at risk of being affected by St. John's Wort. So it's touching on St. John's. I just want to take the opportunity to remind you of our little statement earlier in this piece. Uh, Research into St. John's Wort is still where we are unsure precisely what the dose is and what the duration is necessary to achieve the results seen in mild to moderate depression. So if you want to try St. John's Wort while using other medication, either pharmaceutical medication for mental health symptoms, just consult your healthcare practitioner once again or someone who has professional training before making the changes that could harm you really honestly um you know i kind of make a joke about oral contraceptives and st john's but those surprises have happened and look you know this is not what we're trying to do we're trying to help you navigate through this a little better as or at least as best as we can now big drum roll if i had some drums i would roll them Saffron, one of my f- most used and favorite herbs. Um, and this is an exclusive story for the podcast, but I have to thank uh, Professor Kerry Bone, who via Iranian research found the potential of saffron as an alternative to St. John's wort. And it, especially when it came to patients who were using St. John's, you know, wanted to use St. John's wort, but were using other pharmacy now, 
I had an impulse when I was in my younger clinic days. I believe this was, gosh, I would say almost 10 years ago. I don't have very good sense of time post-COVID, so let's just say it was around 10 years ago. I decided that I was going to take a day trip and visit two of my idols, Professor Kerry Bone and the British herbalist Simon Mills, and they were doing a campfire discussion, or I'm not sure how they refer to it now, but it was called like a you know a basic kind of Q&A thing. They were doing it up in Sydney, and in my wisdom, I decided to spend what little profits from the clinic I had at that time to fly all the way up there for a night and go and meet Kerry Bone and Simon Mills and listen to what they had to say in this campfire chat. And one of the more interesting sides of this was at the time, and as I said, this is, you know, early 2010s, right? So, you know, a long, a long while away, and I was very recently graduated. They talked about how the Iranian research and the Iranian universities had just opened a lot of their research and been translated and Professor Bone especially had managed to get across some of the research into one herb called nigella, which is now commonly known as black seed, and this other herb, saffron. And the just the effects they listed of both of these herbs, even then, were pretty mind-blowing. And from then on, I've been using nigella and saffron. And one of the more interesting things about saffron was that they and once again i've seen this so many times they mentioned that you'll see a saffron patient coming in that they will be heavy and their eyes will be heavy as well and one of the key things about that is that most people who are feeling a little depressed they are that heaviness is one of those big key symptoms one of those more subjective experiences and wow i've seen so many you know so many of those people and just same results brighter eyes and things like that with saffron so look there you go um a crazy story i wish i could give you crazier stories and people who may know me personally know that i can give you crazier stories than that but thank you to these two researchers especially Kerry bone who you know really did go out and on a limb to try and find and access this iranian research which has just been so valuable to us now especially with saffron and nigella as well being just so amazing for so many people aside from the mild to moderate depression potential for saffron which i'll get to saffron seems to positively affect the quality of people's day and this is where i mentioned that heaviness in that it really does just change the game for them one study in from 2020 showed that alongside the depression improvements participation participants excuse me saw their social relationships improve alongside their resilience to daily stress now that's significant when we're looking at how you know intense the world seems as it heals from the pandemic but also, you know, as we move into, you know, strange times, if you like. Now, saffron has also uh, got an interesting effect, it seems, on uh, on cortisol. And the this effect is yet to be studied, but initial mechanism-based research in animals suggests that saffron supplementation can positively affect blood cortisol levels and affecting sleep quality and anxiety. And there's an episode on cortisol, Gosh, I wish I'd remember the number of it. Just look up Free and Inspire Radio, have a look at the episodes and you'll see what a cortisol there. And yes, it does seem that cortisol can uh, be affected by saffron, which may explain why people come in a bit brighter 
uh, the next time I see them. So numerous small studies have shown saffron's potential for mild to moderate depression in one particular meta-analysis. Remember, we once again, we like these because they pull studies together for a more precise result. So one particular meta-analysis found that saffron significantly more effect, was significantly more effective than placebo for mild to moderate depression, which is great. Another study that particularly caught my attention was a combined study using curcumin from turmeric and saffron for anxiety and depression. And this study looked at 123 people uh, with major depressive disorder over 12 weeks and found that curcumin and saffron assisted with symptoms of both anxiety and depression. Now, one of the reasons why I brought this study up was because there is considerable research in neuroinflammation, so your brain becoming inflamed and the origin of depression and anxiety. Also, the sustaining element of depression and anxiety being very heavily connected to inflammation. Now, curcumin, if you're new to that, is a, the active one of the active ingredients in turmeric. And one of the cool things about the anti-inflammatory nature of curcumin is that it can uh, cross the blood-brain barrier with saffron and have an effect on the neuroinflammation or have an effect on the inflammation with saffron and kind of have a double-pronged effect with the uh, on depression and anxiety, which I feel as if is one of the more unique features of natural medicine and herbal medicine in all conditions in that we use combinations of herbs commonly. I mean, for most mental health conditions, personally, I tend to use a, a combination of four or sometimes five herbs in a herbal formula so that we can overlap some of these things. But in this case, you know, hit one pathway and another. So hit the inflammation with the curcumin, but also have an effect on the brain in a different way with the saffron. So I want to bring that up because I find that really interesting. So 12 weeks was the period of time. They looked at 123 people and found that curcumin and saffron assisted with symptoms of both anxiety and depression, just to kind of get back on track. Some nuances, though, to consider when looking at herbal medicine for anxiety and depression. We've just had three herbs there. If you live with anxiety or depression, a day can seem like a week. And because of this, when looking for treatments, the expectation is, is they work quickly. You need relief. Well, often, though, once things have gotten to the point where you ask for help, a quick solution becomes more than desirable. It becomes necessary for your safety. If you feel that this is the case and you need quick solutions it might be best to speak to your healthcare practitioner about using pharmacy first now you may be disappointed that you've come this far in the episode looking for natural options here and just to find out that they may not be appropriate but this is the nuance between the mild and moderate depression that we've been looking at successfully in these studies and the major depression that we don't have any guarantees on i think that's incredibly important something else that I wanted to bring up just briefly before we finish the show is that herbal medicine, especially when it comes to try and recreate these studies, is very much based on the active ingredients and the amount of active ingredients in the herbs. And this is what they call standardization. So professional practitioner-oriented herbs are often manufactured so that we know that there is let's, you know, hypothetically, there's 200 milligrams of so-and-so ingredients. So we mentioned one in uh, John's Walk called hyperferrin. We know that 
so-and-so formula has this amount of hyperferrin in it. And you'll actually see on your labels with some of the better over-the-counter brands even that when you actually have a look at the herb and the listing in the ingredients list, you'll see the herb's Latin name and then you'll see standardized to so-and-so amount of so-and-so ingredient. Now, this is where buying over-the-counter herbs and you know it is a bit of a risk because you may take one or two capsules of something that you've bought over the counter and it may not work for you because it just simply isn't enough or you know in the other case and this is the other nuance you know, a lot of these studies you know six weeks 12 weeks and this is something that i really wanted to bring up as well if you need quick relief herbal medicine may not give you that quick relief sure it may just slightly affect your symptoms it may take the edge off something but if you're beyond that maybe pharmacy is a nice place to start and once again you can talk to someone who can help you navigate that and i've done that for so many people and they've always been better off taking the pharmacy and look that's just what it is mental health including anxiety depression is a very individual experience and this level of unique experience means that getting someone to help you make sense of where to start and how to measure your experience will be an essential step to success all this doesn't mean that you can't be successful though as we've seen in some of the research listed in this episode there's a lot of it and i hope you found some reassurance that maybe there are some options for you to help your anxiety and depression what do you think my first solutions podcast i've always been a bit reluctant because i know i just feel like sometimes there's so much to go through i always end up saying there's going to be a part two or whatever it is and i put this together with the express intent of doing a part two or even three to be honest after putting this together so if it's a bit light on be patient each installment in the series will help the one before make more sense especially in some of the concepts like standardization and the patents and some of these things and also introduce some new herbs because look we've done three lavender st john's and saffron mainly because i think they're the ones that i see work the most clinically so that's why i chose them but also as i said there's some good studies there so you you know have a little bit of stability behind them i hope you enjoyed this episode before we finish as always if you would love to hear more from me or free inspire radio get the word on new articles podcast episodes and more the website philipwatkins.health is trundling along very nicely thank you to everyone who's gone there Uh, we are now 29 episodes of the podcast we are 29 articles 2000 word articles where you can see all the references that i use for these articles and podcasts as well so pop over there the ebook is almost done i kind of feel like i say that every week but it is almost there and i have some very uh, patient people uh, helping me to achieve all of these things so big shout out to amanda and michael for helping me put this together now your reviews on apple Podcasts and spotify help me get the word on the street and i would like to say a very special shout to health rocks my first comment amazing thank you and it was a nice comment too i was i was uh, hoping um that my first comment would be a nice one so i'm very grateful to health rocks wherever you are for uh sending a nice message my way about the podcast of course, if you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like and subscribe, please. That helps get the word out. And once again, as always, it's all about the listeners. So I'd like to send shout outs to everyone who's gotten this far in the show. 
This show is about helping you find the freedom to feel inspired again. And I hope once again, as always, it gets you one step closer. Until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And thank you again for listening to Free and Inspired Radio. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.